Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. My name is Pastor Victor Morrison. I have the joy of serving as the senior pastor at First Baptist Church here in Columbus, Texas. I'm glad you're with us today as we're going to look at God's Word, and we're going to look at Psalm 142. Psalm 142. It's an interesting psalm that has the heading, A Contemplation of David, A Prayer When He Was in the Cave. Did you know that David, before he became the king, he spent some time running from Saul and he had to hide in these caves? There's a cave in 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2, that is referred to as the cave in Adullam. Adullam. There's another cave, though, that's mentioned two chapters down the road from 1 Samuel 22 in 1 Samuel 24. And that cave is called the cave at En Gedi, En Gedi. So David spent time in both of these caves. Have you ever been inside a cave? There's something quite eerie about it, isn't it? It's a bit spooky. You know, uh, I went to visit my grandfather on my uh, father's side uh, many times in a place called Cave City, Kentucky. Have you ever been there? If you have, then most likely you know that's the home of Mammoth Cave. Mammoth Cave is the world's longest known cave. It's not the kind of place that you would want to get lost inside there. As a matter of fact, they say that it's over 400 miles uh, in length. So that's why I'm saying you wouldn't want to get lost in there. And what's interesting is inside the cave, they have found some relics, some old sandals and pottery. Uh, They found some I don't know if they call it hieroglyphics or some kind of uh, carvings on the walls of the cave. And they were put there by Cherokee, by Shawnee, or by Chickasaw tribes from Native American Indians. So anyway, I wanted us to look at this and to see what can we learn from David when he was in a dark place. He was in a gloomy place. He was in a crowded place because he had somewhere between 400 to 600 men who were on the run with him. I wonder if they felt isolated and cut off. Uh, Perhaps you felt uh, hunted like he was. He was hiding from uh, King Saul, and for no reason at all, Saul was after him. I'm sure that being in a cave was uncomfortable and inconvenient. I don't know what you're dealing with. Are you dealing with depression? or guilt, perhaps some kind of uh, fear has really gripped you. Whatever it is, I want you to listen to this brief psalm. It's only seven verses, but I think that David, he writes on on the walls of his cave, metaphorically speaking, of course, he writes on the walls of the cave and leaves some instructions behind for those of us who may deal with some of these kind of things. Maybe it's hopelessness or whatever it is. But these seven verses represent 
seven different kinds of caves that we could find ourselves in as we go through our lives. So I want you to listen closely as I read through this passage, and then I'll break it down and give us some of the instructions that David left behind, because we know from the rest of the scripture that he definitely got out of the cave. He didn't die there in the cave. He got out, and I believe you can as well. I believe God wants to help you to get out of that dark place. So why don't I read this, you listen closely, and then I'll make a few comments. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare before Him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Well, let's look at these seven verses and see what we can learn in case we have a friend or a family member, or maybe we ourselves are in a very dark place that's very similar to a cave. The first kind of cave that I noticed would be called whenever I'm going through a time of personal limitation. Whenever I'm going through a time of personal limitation. Did you notice what David says in verse 1? He says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. Do you know that God designed us to experience need? See, rather than shielding us from all need in our lives, God allows us to go through some kind of need, and there's a purpose for the need. Do you know what the need is designed to do? It's designed to drive us to Him. You know why? Because God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And so if I never had a need, then I might be tempted to never go and enjoy fellowship with Him, to talk with Him about what's going on in my life. So what we need to learn to do, like David did in verse 1, is we need to learn to view our limitations as opportunities for God, not as mere obstacles to us. That's definitely the way we see it, right? But we, learn, we need to learn to pray about our needs. That's what David is doing in verse 1 when he says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. Two times he's telling us where he goes with his need. He goes to a place of prayer and he goes there because he knows that in love, God allowed him to experience that need. We need God and we need other people and we need the scriptures. We need to know how men like David got out of their dark place so that we can know how we 
can also get out of our dark place. Wasn't it in Philippians 4.19 that the Apostle Paul said quite clearly, quite boldly, quite plainly, he said, you know what? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he told the people in Philippi, he will supply your needs and he will supply your needs, friend. And so I just want you to know that whenever you're in a cave that says personal limitation, that's designed to drive you to God. Let's move to the second thing we can see in verse two. You ever get in a cave of verbal frustration? Things ever get to the point where it's like you want to talk to somebody, you want to scream, (laughs) you want to talk about it, you want to express it. Well, the biggest problem in relationships is sometimes we complain to men when we should be talking to God about it. You know, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 is a clear command for us not to complain to one another. Now, I wonder why that is. Why wouldn't God want us to just go ahead and let it fly? Go ahead and complain to other people. I wonder if he knows most times that's only going to make it worse if we complain to other people and we back the dump truck of all of our problems and we just unload on someone else and we began to really take it out on them. What we need to learn to do is to change the course, to change the course of our complaints. What do I mean by change the course? What I'm saying is change the corridor. Where are you taking them? Well, he says where he took his. He says in verse two, I pour out my complaints before him. I think that's significant. To learn in life, I need to take all of my hard things and the difficult things. I need to take them to the Lord and not to other people. You know, if you ever want to do a study on complaining, then I would recommend going to the Gospel of John chapter 6 and read from verse 41 all the way down through verse 71. It's a long passage, I'm telling you. Chapter 6 of of the Gospel of John, verse 41 down through verse 71. It's a long passage, but here's what you will see. You will see a whole bunch of people in that one little passage who graduate from the school of complaining. I mean, they got degrees in it. Man, they really had an advanced degree in complaining. And so if you go through there, why don't you go through there sometime and circle how they just kept on and on complaining and griping and so forth. We, of course, know that over in the the Old Testament, when they were coming out of the land of Egypt, they were definitely advanced in their degrees also with complaining. Another passage is Job chapter 23. If there was anybody who really had a legitimate right or reason to complain, I'd say it's Job. Man, that man went through a lot. My troubles and my trials are nothing compared to what he went through. But you know, you see him in Job 23 working through his complaints. And you know where he comes out on the other side? Because he took it to God? Because he took his verbal frustrations and he laid them before the Lord, the Lord was able to help him to to not just stay in the place of his complaints, but moving to a place of his, that is God's, God's control. 
He said at first, I can't see you. I can't see you on the left. I can't see you on the right. I can't see you ahead of me and I can't see you behind me. And so he's just really pouring it out. But by the time he gets done talking in Job chapter 23, he said, you know what? Though he try me as though I will come forth like gold. And so I'm just saying, man, what a great passage to refer to on somebody who took their verbal frustration and they just put it out there for God. Let me tell you, he can take it. He's listened to David. He's listened to Job. He's listened to the disciples and quite a few other complainers through through the course of time. He can handle it if you want to talk to him about it. But let's go to the third thing. Sometimes it's not so much the verbal frustration or the personal limitation. It's nothing more than a relational aggravation. Man, verse two goes on to say, I declare before him my trouble. Man, did you grow up having people say, well, I declare. Man, I can't tell you how many times my grandmother said that. I declare. You know, well, he says, I declare before God my trouble. What kind of trouble did he have? Well, once again, let me remind you of what his troubles were. He was being pursued by a madman named Saul. I mean, this guy was the king, so he had a lot of resources, and he's coming after him. And for no reason, no legitimate reason, that is. I'm sure Saul thought he had some reasons. And so definitely he's got some conflict. He's got a toxic person in his life. Maybe you have a toxic person in your life. Perhaps that's why you're living in that dark place, in that cave, because you don't know what to do. Well, I believe that we have a choice. And here's the choice. We have a choice to remain uh full of the bitterness that's within our spirit, or we can choose to pour that out to God and allow God to fill us with the fruit of his Holy Spirit. Hey, that's a better option, isn't it? You know, it tells us in Galatians what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. It's some really great things. I guarantee you it's far better to be full of the Holy Spirit than it is to allow your spirit, your heart, your mind, and so forth, your emotions, to continue to be bitter about that toxic person. I know there's dysfunction all around. I know it's everywhere. And so more than likely, you've you've been a part of that. You've seen that happen in your life. But all I'm saying is, rather than letting that fester, why don't you pour it out to God and say to God, Lord, would you refill me, not with bitterness, but with that blessed fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, also as we go down through this uh, wonderful psalm, we see another kind of cave. Let's call it a cave of emotional vacillation. You ever vacillate? It's like one day you're doing great. The next day, man, you're in the pits. Well, if we're driven by feelings, it's going to be a ride like a roller coaster. You'll be up, you'll be down, you'll be twisting and turning and all around wouldn't it be better to say, I'm rather, rather than being driven by my feelings and my emotions, I'm going to live by faith like the Bible calls me to live? You know, because sometimes, this is honest, okay? Sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Well, David did. Let me read what he says about his feelings of, of being overwhelmed. He says, when my spirit was overwhelmed 
within me, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Do you know that the word overwhelmed there actually in the Hebrew is a word for darkened, darkened. So what David's saying is, man, it's so heavy on me what I got going on. I almost blacked out. Everything seems so dark to me. That's emotions, friend. We need to go back to Job. He definitely had some things there as well. But remember, Job worked through all of his emotional trauma, and he came out in a place of faith. And so he came out in the place of faith, as a matter of fact, before his circumstances changed. So if you don't watch it, you know what can happen? Our emotions can become like a prison. And we can do time there in that uh, very dark place if our emotions are, are ever down. But if you look at verse 7 of Psalm 142, there's something encouraging here. Where at the end of the psalm, regardless of Saul, regardless of the darkness of the cave and how uncomfortable it was in there, here's what David says. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name, the righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Now, what was it that he chose to feed on with his faith rather than letting his feelings put him in a prison? Well, when I read that, I thought, now I see what he's doing. He's taking praise and he's letting praise guide his faith forward. He says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. You ought to just take take time today and start giving God praise for all of his wonderful names. He's got some incredible names. But then another thing he says is that I may praise your name, but notice he needed more than just God. Get this, the righteous shall surround me. You know, another thing that helps us to walk by faith, it may seem oversimplistic to you, but here it is, people. That's right, people. We need the body of Christ. You need and I need other brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking the faith life to walk alongside of us, to encourage us. Don't give up. Don't give in. So we praise the Lord. We get our eyes on Him. We remember who He is. We surround ourselves with people like He's saying, you know, the righteous shall surround me. But then He says, for you shall deal bountifully with me. How does he know God's going to deal bountifully with him? I wonder if he had already been inspired to write Psalm uh, 23. Remember Psalm 23, where he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I wonder if he knew God's purpose was to bless him. And so he was like, thank you, Lord. So that's how he got out of that cave of emotional vacillation. But then he got in another cave. It's the same one, really, physically. But in verse 3 and verse 6, we also see this man was in danger. I mean, this wasn't just in his head. It wasn't just he he was assuming he was in danger. Oh, no. This was very real. King Saul was after him. And so what was he going to do? Well, verse 3 tells us something interesting. After it says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, it says next, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Hmm. I thought to myself, well, he's saying, I'm going to depend on you, Lord, for deliverance from the snare. 
yeah, there's some traps out there. They want to trap me. But you know what? I'm just going to trust you because you know where I'm walking. You know where I live. You know who I am. And then verse 6 says something also that I think is additional in this regard. It says, attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Have you ever come to that place where you've said to God, you know, Lord, the fact is I need you to deliver me from someone that's stronger than me. Is there something stronger than you are in life? Well, maybe it's a good place in that dark place, in that place where you feel so helpless, so hopeless to say to God, you know what, God, I don't have the strength to get out of this myself. So would you ask God to deliver you from the strong? Would you ask God to deliver you from the snare? I know he can do it. He did it for David. He can do it for you. I want to move to a sixth type of cave, and that is social separation. Social separation. I think some people feel so distant from other people. There's so many people all around us that suffer from loneliness. You know, sometimes I think conflict can be one type of of cave, but what about another one is indifference, where you get the feeling like, I'm not sure anybody really cares for me. That's where he was in verse four. Let me read it again. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Wow, that's really feeling forgotten. That's feeling a lack of support. Do you know the Apostle Paul experienced something like that? Just because you're a Christian and doing the right things, that doesn't mean you won't ever go through a period of isolation and loneliness and feeling like, Lord, I don't feel like anybody is on my side. I feel all alone in this. That's where Paul was when he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Wow. You in a lion's den? Listen, ask the Lord, help me in this time of separation. I feel all alone. You know, God will be there. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be with you to the end of the age. Well, let me give you one last cave and then we'll finish our time for today. I think it's the most serious one of all. It's when someone gets in a dark place that could be described as spiritual desperation. Spiritual desperation. I think perhaps the the, the loneliest, the, the most heart-wrenching words that I've ever heard in Scripture were these, no one cares for my soul. No one cares for my soul. Man, you know what I think that is underneath it all? It's a thirst for love. I believe that God puts that thirst within every human being. Everybody has a soul. Everybody is a soul. And you know what? We, we long to be loved. I really believe everybody that's born on this earth is born to be loved. And that's why it drives us into God's presence, looking for that unconditional love. But then notice that we not only need love, we need security. You know, he says he 
was looking for refuge, and yet it failed him. He said, refuge has failed in this uh, verse 4. And then he says, uh, what was it that he finally realized he was looking for? Well, it's for the Lord to be his portion, for the Lord to be his portion. That's when we begin to feel like, oh, thank you, God, that I do mean something to someone. I mean something to the Lord my God. He is the one that I know I'm important to him. But notice the verse six says, for I am brought very low. I think another thing we look for is we, we long to know, why are these bad things happening to me? What's the purpose of my trials? Well, I believe God does have a purpose. You know, he says in his word that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. You know, I really believe that God doesn't actually cause a lot of the things that we face in our life. You know, man causes some things. The devil causes some things. The world causes some things. Those those are definitely always out there causing things. We do it in the flesh. We cause some of our own problems. But here's the thing. All of those things that are around us, that are hard and difficult, that are debilitating to us, that are beyond our ability, what they're all trying to get us to do is to get desperate for God, to get desperate for God. I'll never forget hearing one of my mentors, Steve Gaines, talk about he was cleaning his swimming pool one time, and there was one of those caterpillars that was in the pool. And this was a time that was very difficult in his own personal life. And he said that when he when he was scooping up that uh, caterpillar with that um, long pole and the net on the end of the pole, he said that when he brought it to safety, he realized that's exactly how God had helped him. He felt that he was just like that little worm. Do you ever feel that? I believe that whenever we are humbled low, I believe that the whole reason is that we might know that there's a creator who loves us, who longs for a personal relationship with us. That's why as I end this time that we share together in God's word today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would get you out of the cave, that God would deliver you, that God would just love on you and bless you. Why don't you let me lead you in a prayer? Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we've learned so much today from Psalm 142. I'm not glad necessarily that you put David in a cave. I'm sure it was a very hard thing for him and his men to go through. But I can definitely say that I'm glad he wrote this passage because it has helped me so many times in my life when I've been in a dark place. Lord, it could be that those that are listening, they're in a dark place. It may be a dark place of guilt. Maybe they have remorse, perhaps sorrow or sadness. Maybe it's grief. Perhaps there's hopelessness, or maybe they feel helpless. Maybe something is beyond their ability. And they're saying, this is beyond my, my own ability to pull myself up. I can't help myself. Would you deliver them? Set them free. Bring them out of the cave. Bring them out of the darkness. Bring them into the light. Help them to look to Christ. I know that, Lord, just like Peter, when that day you said to him, come to me, and he started walking toward you, Lord, on the top of the water, an impossibility. No way he could have done it. But he got his eyes on the wind, and he took his eyes off of you, 
and Peter began to sink. And Lord, perhaps someone is just like that today. They feel they're sinking. They're going into that dark place again. But, but when Peter realized he was sinking, he simply said, save me, Lord. That's all it takes. Would you help those listening today to simply pray a simple prayer to the Lord saying, save me, Lord, save me. I know you will. Thank you so much for being a very present help to us in our time of need. So bless us as we go through the rest of our week. Help us never forget those carvings that were written on that cave of David in Psalm 142. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.